Wes Anderson has a new film coming down the line, The French Dispatch, supposedly a love letter to journalists in World War II. We're going to get into that in the podcast. Blue Beetle, a little-known DC character, is now finding his time to shine in his own cinematic adventure. And also, we're going to go over our five most anticipated movies for December, and to top off the podcast, our favorite trilogies. That's right, we're going to rank all three of our favorite trilogies top to bottom and have a real nice discussion. It's time to dive in. We're ready to go here. It's the Cinemaxtic Podcast. And welcome to the fourth episode of Cinemaxtic, a podcast about movies. As most of our podcasts start out here, I just want to go ahead and say a quick thank you to our listeners here. Our last episode of Cinemaxtic was the most listened to episode so far. Out of uh, This will be the sixth episode, so out of the five episodes we posted, it's our most popular one. I'm ecstatic about that. We're ecstatic about that. Very, very exciting stuff, so I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Something else to keep in mind, we are now on Apple Podcasts, the largest directory in podcasts, uh, in podcasts in the world. So not only can you find us there and subscribe to us and, and rate us, you can also probably subscribe to us on a majority of podcast apps out there on the App Store because they're pulling from Apple Podcasts. So be sure to check us out there. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, pretty much everything that you'd want to listen to a podcast on, you can find us. So be sure to subscribe, be sure to uh, leave a review and like us, whatever it asks you to do, we'd appreciate it. You can also send your topics and suggestions to us at CinemaxTicPod on Twitter or email us at CinemaxTicPod at gmail.com and I'll be sure to get to your suggestions and any comments or things you'd like to say there. And lastly, folks, look in the description of this podcast. We're going to have timestamps. So if there's certain topics that you would like to get to first or if you just kind of want to skip over some parts, we have it down there. Be sure to click through and get to the topic you want to hear most. So check those descriptions. That's where our podcasts, our, our podcast timestamps are going to be. Without further ado, it's time to announce yet again my roundtable of podcast movie experts. On my right, change we're throwing up. it off this time. We're going to do Tim first. We'll, we'll change up. We're going to do Tim first. Tim Reichmuth. At Timtrist, how are we doing today, buddy? Uh, I'm I'm doing fantastic. You know, uh, really excited for what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, especially searching. Uh, love that movie. Mm-hmm. You've never seen that movie. Yeah, I couldn't find it. Well, we're going to talk about that anyways. But I'm a little I'm a little uh, protrubed. You don't have your uh, hot coffee. Protrubed. Okay, English major. <laughs> what? I knew I shouldn't have gone for that word. I knew I shouldn't yeah, have gone for that word. You should have gone for a real word. <laughs> what was the word? What was the word? I should perturbed. Perturbed. <laughs> God. God. You can't. You know, it's fair. I appreciate your assistance. I, I, Tanner, I learn something new from Tanner every day, and I should have known better than to do a little bit of a more difficult <laughs> English language word in front of an English I like, major. I like to keep my language kind of on a fourth grade level, so, you know. I keep mine right around second. Tanner Rush on my left. Tanner, 
How are we doing today, buddy? You got your vanilla Coke over there. God, you feeling a little sweet, a little cokey? Coke, because I'm a vanilla boy, and I'm here to teach you guys the English language one podcast at a time. <laughs> a vanilla boy he is. <laughs> a vanilla boy he is. Folks, I want to go ahead and get right into... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I want to dive into my movie review for this for this podcast today, and that is going to be the movie review for Searching. Searching, a movie starring the one and only John Cho, a a very popular actor. He's been in quite a lot of films. He's starting to get his leading man credibility here and I absolutely loved searching and I'm pretty much going to take this whole conversation for myself because Tanner and Tim have not seen this movie and I know this movie came out in theaters a while ago but it just came out for rental and I watched it and I watched it late at night usually when I start a movie that late I am falling asleep I just I just want to have something on searching kept my attention the entire time it was enthralling in every way shape and form the style of the movie that it was, all taking place on a computer screen. I've seen a movie like that before. I believe it's called Friended. It's a horror movie. It's okay. That movie is okay. But Searching kind of takes that same type of concept and presents it in just a very palatable way. I, I can't really explain exactly why I loved it so much visually, Everything was sharp on the screen. Everything was easy to see. I loved the little details and the emails and whatnot that he had pulled up on his desktop. And I sh- suppose I should say, this all takes place on a computer screen the entire time. It takes place on a computer screen. And the only time you see our characters are via video chat or video recording that's actually like live streaming to the computer itself. So... Very interesting concept, and it could have easily blown up in their faces. In the days of social media, you're like, okay, of course, a social media horror movie. This is cheesy. This is a corny idea. I don't like this at all. And you could probably feel that way about that horror movie friended because that's how I felt. So I went into this with subdued expectations, and I came away thinking this is one of the most, one of the most intense thrillers that I've seen in 2018, if not right there up, uh, maybe number one. John Cho provides a commanding performance in this thing. He is excellent. He is he has great dramatic prowess in this thing. I absolutely loved how he portrayed his love for his daughter and just the various difficulties they've been going through in life. I thought his uh, the lady who played his daughter, who was, I believe that's Alex Jane Nope, nope, that's that's Margot, five years old. We're wanting, uh, where is she? Uh, Michelle Law was fantastic as well as the daughter in this. But make no mistake, this is pretty much all John Cho. You do see Sarah Sohn, who is, Sarah Sohn, you, uh, well, actually, sorry, not Sarah Sohn. <laughs> uh, it's the detective. What's her name? Deborah Messing, Deborah Messing, who is you might know her from uh, Will and Grace. Will right? and Grace, yeah, Will and Grace. Um, she plays a dramatic role in this, and I thought she did a really good job. 
Um, so she pops up from time to time, but don't don't make a mistake. This is all John Cho's movie. This is all his performance that carries this thing the entire way, and I thought it was absolutely excellent. I loved everything from it. The story was great. The acting was great. The drama was great. There was even a little bit of humor thrown in there from time to time, but not too much. I I adored this movie. I can't tell you enough to go see it. It's an excellent popcorn flick. Throw it on, get some popcorn going, and just sit back and watch the film. It's it's really, really good. Did you guys see anything on this? I, I, do you see the trailers for it, or do you have any... Uh... I thought it was going to be like a reboot uh, friended. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Nope. I honestly had no interest when I saw the trailer. I kind of did, too. I did, too, but I started getting good reviews, and uh, I wanted to give it the time of day, and I'm glad I did. It, it's a nice way to end the Harold and Kumar go to White Castle trilogy. All right, finally, well, this is fa- he finally <laughs> is, finds the White Castle. This is fantastic. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to cut the searching review now. Hey, uh, uh, no, but... You got it. It does seem interesting because I. These are two people who haven't seen it, by the way. Tim and Tanner, they have not. I, I not just. Today's the first I've ever heard of this, but um, it seems like an evolution of the found footage format. Very much. Kind of. Because um, with those movies, you kind of run into an issue with suspension of disbelief. It's like, why are they still filming this? Why does he have a camera? Yeah with all this stuff going on. His friend just got cut in half. He just filmed the whole thing. Cloverfield. He, Cloverfield, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. But I love it. Uh, anyways, but this seems to make sense within context. Um, he's just at a computer doing some amateur detective work, I guess. So Yeah. And, and something... Just having a guy in a chair the whole movie, I don't know if that's what happens. I'm sure there's other it, things. It's not. It's actually remarkable how they get their characters up and moving, so it's not just a guy glued to a, okay. a computer screen the entire movie. You had movie. to get up and grab the charger so it's his exactly laptop right. didn't There are several scenes of that, just him searching for a charger in a very large briefcase. Um, he they, The way they get these guys moving, the characters moving from place to place, and how they make it seem feasible... I that's one of the main reasons I enjoyed it. There wasn't so much of a there wasn't so much suspension of disbelief in this, which is what I was expecting. Like, okay, roll your eyes millions of times. Like, why? Of course, this is going on. Right. Of course, this is showing up on the TV on the computer screen. There was very very little, if not any, of that at all in this movie. Um, so that's that's one of the main reasons I really really enjoyed it. And uh, I I can't tell you all enough to go see this. It's it's excellent. And again, John Cho, great performance. So you have to go see it just for that. And if you know him mostly for his comedic roles, this is where you can give him um, another chance here. Searching. I'm going to give Searching out of 10. I'm going to give Searching an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. wow. Yeah. There was... <laughs> An eight point five. There was there was some bits in there that do make you have to have a little suspension of disbelief, but there were so few and far in between, with enthralling visual elements and great performances. It's it's an excellent movie. It's an easy watch. It flies by. It's so good. Uh, eight point five out of ten for searching. That is a cinematic review. <laughs> Next, we're going to dive into this Wes Anderson film. 
we're gonna dive into this uh, this news uh, that just came out, I believe, yesterday. Wes Anderson's new film is gonna be called The French Dispatch, and it's an unknown plot so far, but it's gonna be set in France after the World War after World War Two, and it's said to be a love letter to journalism, which. Not to be cle- not to be to, uh, say a total cliche, but I think we could all use that type of film right now. Don't you guys think we could use something like that? That that people were making fun of people on the internet for people, a lot of uh, reviewers and stuff like that said this is the film we need right now. They Apparently, that's say really that annoying. about every movie. They do, they do. I think Blue Beetle's the film we need right now. <laughs> I think now. Aquaman is the movie we need right now. Ocean Conservation. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be a love letter to journalists, and there is a trash island floating out in the Pacific. I Just make make no joke about that's the, actually the, the importance of the ocean. Uh, that's actually the main villain of Aquaman. It's the trash pile <laughs> in the movie. It's a giant trash pile. You may think that King Orm, the other purple bad guy who's in all the trailers, is the guy. They actually team up and defeat a giant trash island at the end of the movie. As spoilers, is what's going to happen. Right um, but let's look at the cast list of this thing. I mean, my goodness, Natalie Portman. Rumored. <laughs> rumored. Rumored. Brad Pitt. Rumored. Oh, God, I just searched The French Connection. Not. No, that is a heist movie. That's a much older movie. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro. Leah Seydoux. Leah Seydoux. Tilda Swinton. Your, your French accent all is our French listeners out spot there. on. <laughs> Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Wright, and uh, some other guy I don't know. But that is quite the cast. Just to begin, I would have to imagine more is going to maybe because Wes Anderson is known for multiple things, but one of them is his abnormally large cast filled with A-list actors. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited just to see, because this is just the beginning, but I'm excited to see what this is going to turn out to be in terms of the cast list when it's all said and done. But I, uh, for my listeners out there, I love Wes Anderson films. They're probably some of my favorite films. I love the way he shoots the movies, and I, I just love his storytelling capabilities because he writes and directs all of this stuff, and I just really enjoy it. Are you guys excited for this, Tanner? Yeah, I mean, I still need to see Isle of Dogs. Uh, it's pretty good. I haven't seen it. It's it's pretty good. It's stop motion Where, animation. Where'd you good. Where'd you rank it in the other Wes Anderson films? Like right off the top of my head, I would mean I would put it behind. I mean, I would put it behind Moonrise Kingdom. I'd put it behind Grand Budapest. Um, I'd put it behind Life Aquatic. I think it's like solid four or five. We could talk about Wes Anderson for a whole episode. We could. We could do a Wes Anderson uh, episode because that's how much I love his stuff. But are you guys excited for this? What do you guys think about this? There's not much to go on here other than the cast. It is a good-looking cast. Yeah. Um, y- yes. Well, there's some, well something that came up was that this is originally rumored to be a musical. Right. I'm excited that it's Ooh. not a musical. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind you know hearing Bill Murray sing. I like I you know he he's a good singer. He's a good singer. But I I like musicals just fine. I just wanted a a, a normal Wes Anderson movie because I loved Grand Budapest so much that. Budapest. I pronounced that really <laughs> weird. Grand Budapest. Budapest. I loved that. Budapest. Budapest. Who cast? 
<laughs> I uh, loved that movie so much. I was kind of bummed to find out Isle of Dogs was going to be an animated uh, stop motion animation movie because I was really wanting another straight up Wes Anderson movie. So I'm excited that that's all it's going to be. He's not going to be experimenting. He's just going to give you a Wes Anderson movie. And that's what I like right now. What's interesting is I was looking at kind of the release dates for his last films. He's releasing this pretty close to Isle of Dogs, which he is. So he must be, I imagine he must be inspired by something that's making him want to make this movie right away. I couldn't tell you what would inspire a movie about the goodwill of journalists in today's day and age. I feel like uh, all of our journalists are pretty well respected especially by people in the highest office in the land. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Top floor of Macy's. Macy's president. Not JC Penney's. Bob yeah. Macy. That's the guy. Have you, have you seen uh Royal Tenenbaums? Yes. I actually have not seen I that. Actually, that's been on my watch list for a while. I really liked that movie. I thought it was interesting. The cast and like Ben Stiller's in it. I want to know where Owen Wilson's going to be in this movie. Owen Wilson's got to make an appearance. You know, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson were roommates in college. Wow. 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 That's a fact. It's a fact. That's why they're in a lot of each other's movies. I'm just looking at pictures of Lea Um I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, I like how, like, if uh, you've seen The Lobster or, like, Spectre, like she's pretty, but she also looks really. Wait, she's in the lobster. <laughs> she looks real mean in that. She that, does. That takes it a, a step further. What is that called? Me. I believe it's called resting bitch face. What was? What was? See, it's more like resting murder face. Ugh. What was her role in the lobster? Was she like the villain? Uh, Fish. According to IMDb, it says loner, loner leader. I haven't seen the lobster. I need to. That's a really weird movie. Yeah. Well, because we were just talking about The Favorite, which that's that director's newest movie. Mm. I need to go back and watch The Lobster. I haven't seen The Lobster. Uh, Paige has seen The Lobster. Oh, she okay. said it is one of the weirdest movies she's ever seen. Oh, absolutely. And it's weird, like kind of like Shape of Water, I which guess. Which is saying something, because we've seen some weird-ass movies. We saw that Jake Gyllenhaal movie, Enemy. Enemy? Yeah. You haven't seen Enemy? Mm-mm. That is a really, really freaky uh, movie. Denis Villeneuve. That is correct. And it's just a psychedelic, not really psychedelic, I suppose. The things that happen in there, you'd think it'd be on psychedelic drugs. But it's it's interesting. I don't, uh, I didn't really particularly like that movie. But how did we get here? I can't remember how we got to this point. Because Leia is in The Lobster. Oh, that's right. That's right, and we got there from her potentially being cast in the French Dispatch. Tell you what, Timothy Chalamet's crew is really blown up here in the past, like yeah. immediately. I don't think he had any build-up time. I think he just came on it's the right scene away. as now in every movie. Yep, and people I mean, people think he's the next Leo. If he's not already as Leo, at Leo's caliber as an actor, I mean, the guy is, guy is great. He's cast in everything for a reason. So he's um, uh, you. Know, I mean, Leo is great. Obviously, it's it's gonna be hard to say that Timothy's the next Leo. But dude looks like a wet noodle. <laughs> well, he is. Well, he is okay. rather thin. He's rather slender, and uh, we don't body shame on this podcast. Hey, I am also a wet noodle. I know a wet noodle <laughs> when I see one. 
Okay. Okay. But that is the French Dispatch. I mean, I, I love Wes Anderson films, so I couldn't be more excited for this. If he does it any way, shape, and form like he typically does his movies, I will be there in, in butts and seats, no doubt about it. Going to be seeing that multiple times. I just his classic framing and his cinema uh, the cinematography of it and just the way he writes his films they're just always really fun weird movies to watch and they're they're just excellent and it's great too cuz he has a pretty decent catalog of films that mm-hmm. maybe a lot of you guys haven't seen i mean there yeah the royal tenenbaums one of his lesser no i mean it's Outside of the film community, probably lesser known, and then there's uh, the Darjeeling Limited, yeah, which I hadn't seen because I came be out, my least favorite. I saw that in I, I that came out when I was in junior high, so yeah. I have not had a chance to see that. There's a uh, Bottle Rocket is another one that stars Owen Wilson. That was his first. Yeah, that was the first one. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of Wes Anderson movies you could easily spend a whole week watching and i do highly recommend you do i mean he's one of the more influential directors in cinema today and because of that you it definitely deserves a lot of watches so yeah if these if french dispatch can match that comedy level with the dramatic tones with uh, everything he's known for it's i'm gonna see it every time he doesn't have to change it up he just has a great art style to his films and uh no doubt about it i'll be seeing it he's an auteur as they like to say that's exactly right like Ooh. uh quentin tarantino or oh i love quentin tarantino yeah quentin's good Quentin's good but yeah yeah that's uh so that's the french dispatch we definitely don't have much to go off on that so we will cover that more as more news comes which i'm sure it will be soon these movies don't take long to shoot so i, I mean we'll probably be seeing this honestly in maybe early 2020 i would say i think it's they're estimating 2019 I wouldn't be surprised too if they start production now or early 2019. It doesn't again. It doesn't take long to make, so I could usually, see that. I could see that like November or December of 2019 easily. So we're gonna get more news as that comes out. And now we're gonna move on to another movie we don't have many details on, but as a DC cinematic fan, as just a DC fanboy myself, I have to mention it in my podcast. I have to do it. And that is the rumored Blue Beetle movie that just got announced the other day. And it's gonna star a Hispanic superhero. His name is Jamie Reyes. And Jamie Reyes is actually the third iteration in terms of comic book continuity. Content, con- continuity. Continuity. Mm-hmm. This is why we Thank have him here. <laughs> this is why we have him here. <laughs> We're not even going to edit that out to make me sound smarter. We're just going to keep it in there. He's just going to correct me every time. You um, looked at me. I did. I looked for you for help. <laughs> and I was asking, could you read my mind real quick and correct what I'm about to say? And you didn't do it. So I said, I said, con- continuity like an ape, like a freaking ape, like a dumb, stupid ape. All right. You All know right. what's not <laughs> stupid, though? Blue Beetles. Blue Beetles, that's correct. Swing your right back around. <laughs> what a save. Uh, Tim and Tanner aren't as big of a DC guys as I am, but again, Jamie Reyes, he's the third iteration of this character in DC Comics. He is a teenager. He is bonded to a robot alien-like scarab that it just so happens to be blue that kind of embeds itself in his back. Think so of like, like Venom. 
It, sure. Like the mummy. Like think of Venom. Think of Venom and Iron Man came together and they dropped a blue paint bucket on them without like the no. The story elements of Venom with the design of Iron Man put together is kind of the concept behind Blue Beetle. Jamie Reyes is this teenager who gets all these powers, but he doesn't have control over them. The scarab that's attached himself to his back is really in control for the most part. Jamie can do some things, but the scarab is the third person, if you will, in his head that's kind of telling him what to do and controlling his movement and body sometimes. So I'm interested to see what that's going to be like in a movie. I think that's a very interesting take on a superhero movie because I haven't seen anything. Maybe well, Venom. Venom, I suppose, in October was literally the first movie that's been this guy who gets all these powers that he literally does not have all the control over besides some. So I, I want to see how that is portrayed in a movie. Green Lantern. Green oh, Lantern? that's With Ryan Reynolds, movie. the alien ring. I mean, it's not like a sentient yeah, thing, but... I don't I don't even know. I don't I don't think of that movie often. I try and try and not think about it. The only good thing that gave us was Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively having two beautiful children that will soon dominate this earth. And we will be there. Constituents, con- constitu- okay. constituents. In- anyways, <laughs> <they> running for <laughs> office. So yes, kind of, kind of back to the Mr. Blue. and Mrs. President Reynolds. What? Oh, Whoa, okay. God! No, no, no! They're not getting married. <laughs> They're not getting married. They're just two kids who are brother and sister ruling over us. <laughs> this isn't this isn't Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, yeah, what were you saying, Tim? Yeah, so kind of back to Blue Beetle. So. I did a brief search. There's three different origin stories. So there's one where he he becomes like a was it a detective? <laughs> what are you laughing at? So he like becomes a detective or and doesn't have superpowers. So are they just like completely separate or does like the scarab go from each person? You know, that's gonna be more comic book stuff. I don't I, I, I don't know about that, honestly. This is gonna be I think just if I were to guess, they're going to just focus on Jamie Reyes, a Mexican-American teenager who is is still in high school, gets taken over by this mysterious blue scarab that was created by its original creator, Ted Kord, who's the original Blue Beetle. He is the original comic Blue Beetle. And he happens to be one of the richest characters in the DC universe. Um so there's that continuity, uh, continuity as well in the actual movies, but Jamie gets taken over by this this scarab that Ted Cord helped create, and uh, and he's gonna have to fight those demons of what the scarab wants him to do while he tries to uh, correct himself because the scarab is inherently violent and it wants to fight. And uh, Jamie is skin and eat you exactly, just like the mummy. Eat your organs. Yes, and they have. Um, but he has. Can we get another moon, mummy movie though with Brendan Fraser? Like just one. Oh, probably please. not. Please. Did you see the one with Tom Cruise? It's so bad. That was terrible. I never saw that, but I'm. Gonna, I don't recommend. I it. could, guys. I could scream about that movie for hours, <laughs> and I have. I <laughs> I would I would imagine it wouldn't be that difficult because it did not look like a guy great. Pretty reviews. sure on Letterboxd I gave it like a half star. If that. Yeah, that wasn't star. It looked like it was uh, just a train wreck, but. That's what, but yeah, 
I think that's what Blue Beetle is going to be, and I'm excited to see it. I think it's an interesting take on a superhero, and DC continually is giving these lesser-known heroes their shot in in movies, like Shazam, and I think Aquaman is plenty known, but kind of an awkward, weird type of character. He's getting his movie in December, and now Blue Beetle's getting his own movie, and... Suicide Squad, too. Yeah, Suicide... Yeah, we can only hope we get another one of those. Um, so, it. yeah, that's uh, that's Blue Beetle and in, in, in its uh, entirety there. So, and I, I actually really am excited for this. There's a TV show called Young Justice yes. that, that is on DC's streaming service right now, DC Universe, and it was on Netflix for a while, but it got taken off to be on the streaming service. If, if you miss the original Teen Titans cartoon, Young Justice kind of scratches that itch. I think Young Justice is much better than Teen Titans. Ooh. Wow. It does not have that bitch and J-pop intro music, though. It doesn't. It does not have that, but what it does have is a very seriously uh, dramatic tone throughout the whole thing. The reason that mo- that Young Justice got canceled, I would assume, is because it was too mature for kids. There were some really uh, there were some adult themes in that whole in that in that show that only like people who could understand them would would notice but i mean like geez jamie reyes speaking of blue beetle he's one of the main characters in season two his best friend is clearly the victim of abuse from his dad and his wife uh, and his mom is also the victim of abuse from this guy's dad so that's an element in there characters die in this show um there's some seriously seriously intense dramatic points in these in this show and that's what i that's what made me so excited for this movie to begin with so if you guys have the chance you gotta go watch young justice season one and two so i haven't seen season two yet because i had watched all the first season and the show got canceled and so when it got brought back so i was introduced to blue beetle not too long ago um i got injustice 2 the oh, yeah. superhero fighting game. Yeah, I, I believe, believe Jamie, he's a character in it. And Ooh. I believe it's Jamie Reyes yeah. is the character of that. Um, so when I heard DC Warner Brothers is pushing this movie, at first I was like, that's stupid. I've never heard of this person before. But I think that's actually a really good idea um, because if they're using these more obscure characters that aren't in the mind of the general audience... There's less expectations, I think, and they can be a little more yeah, um, brave with how they go about it, like looking at uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with Marvel. Yep. Like, and Ant-Man. None no of us. Even of the Galaxy I, was. Yeah. Uh, Ant-Man. And truth be told, even Iron Man, uh, he was not like a household... A list Marvel character when they made that movie. He Marvel's, is now Marvel's but, best, most known character is Final uh, Fantastic Four, Spider Man, Spider Man. Yeah, and that yep. was pretty much. And yeah, Hulk had some notoriety, but that was like that was like pretty much it in terms of household superhero names. That Marvel, that was it. And look what they've done. Yeah. So, I mean, with DC, they very obviously you want to have a Batman or super movies out there, but I think if now that they're Super they're digging a little deeper into their character pool, that could help them out a lot more. Yeah, I, it, taking original characters that people haven't seen before and putting it on the big screen—it's a substantial risk. Some people might th- say, 
But if it's done right and people really enjoy it, if it's fun, they don't even care who the character is. That's exactly why Guardians is so so popular. I again, just like you said, I had no idea who these guys were. I had no idea who Guardians were till that movie came out. But it was fun. It was it was fun. It was funny. There were some good dramatic elements to it, and it was just done really well. So I love the Guardians movies. So why not take shots on these on these characters and and see if they can make something really popular out of it. So, and again, the huge DC nerd in me just loves them pulling from their catalog here and delivering these movies uh, to not only diehard fans, but to people who just still love to consume superhero material. They now have these heroes they've never heard of that they can learn to love. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. By the way, Young Justice, Tanner, um, season one and season two happened, and then it got canceled. And season three is coming on DC Universe's service, so you should actually go watch season two because that's out right now. Is it on Netflix? It's not on Netflix. You have to. You'd have to do the DC Universe subscription, or uh, I think you can. I think you could find places to stream it online. Yuck. Um, yeah, <laughs> actually, really weird. If you go to Xbox, by the way, I went to the Xbox's uh, app store on on my Xbox, and I I. Uh, searched um dc universe to see if they had uh an app coming Uh for their streaming service and they didn't but what i found was a ton of shows by the a ton of these old shows and you can download the entire freaking show from the xbox app store itself onto your xbox and somehow they just let that permit it it's clearly because when you click on the episode, it's like a bunch of pop-up ads on the side, but it's showing like it's in a browser, and the actual episode is playing right there in the middle. It works perfectly fine, but huh. it's clearly uh, against multiple copyright rules, and uh, <laughs> apparently the guys at Xbox are not monitoring their app store literally at all. Well, they are now. Now, apparently, they'll hear it. They'll hear it. Hey, Phil Spencer. Um, not that we would advocate you go through... No, less than legal means to acquire these. Just go get that DC Universe subscription. It's eight bucks per month. You can just sign up for one month and watch all Young Justice. You'll get all the Blue Beetle you could want in season two. Moving on to our, our second largest topic of the day, and that's the top five most anticipated movies of December. According to Rotten Tomatoes. According to Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes just put out a list, the the five most anticipated movies opening in December, and we kind of wanted to take a crack at them and give our thoughts on each one of these movies. Now, number one is Aquaman, and number two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We covered those pretty extensively and what our feelings are towards those movies in the last episode because we reacted to the positive Aquaman reactions and the positive Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse reviews. So... If you want our opinion on those, you can definitely check out the last episode. Go to the timestamp. You'll find that. But we're going to kick it off with number three. And that is they have Bumblebee as their third most anticipated movie of December. And I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm actually anticipating this movie quite a lot myself. As a person who maybe throws a Transformers movie on to just because it's something you can have on in the background and you don't really have to pay much attention to it because you don't really care. That's how I felt about the Transformers franchise since... The, the first one was the good. Third. I liked the first and second ones just fine. 
<laughs> no, you know, I don't like, like the second one. No, uh, really, the first movie is the only one I think I could stand to hear an argument for. And even then, it has not aged well at all. I enjoy the first one because it gives me vintage Shia LaBeouf. And when he was just old, he was just old even Steven. Just coming out of the old even Steven age, and he's he's now ready for the big time, big movie star boy. And I, I look at those. I look at those to remind myself of what once was when Shia LaBeouf's life. When he was just dating Megan Fox you, uh, and making Transformers movies. Sorry, this is a little off topic, but kind of with Shia LaBeouf. Have you seen Borg, Borg vs. McEnroe? No. That came out last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. I thought Shia LaBeouf did a really good performance. He's a good actor. Oh, you watched that? Yeah. Was it in English? I thought it was subtitles. Well, well for the one character Borg's is, part, yeah. yeah Everything sick. else is in English? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for real? Because it's about the Wimbledon, so... Oh, I thought it was just a Swedish movie. No. And no. It was going to be all Swedish besides... McEnroe. Oh, no. 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 Damn. No. It was a combination. Oh, it, it I'm, was way a, more, I'm way more excited to see movie. that now. What? It was a surprisingly good movie. I mean, Shia LaBeouf is probably the perfect actor for McEnroe. Oh, yeah. He was, I mean, it looked like he was going to be great in that. I'm just not a big foreign film guy because I, I, and it's nothing against them. I'm, sh- they're sh- I'm sure they're excellent. I'm just really terrible at reading along constantly with subtitles while watching right. something. Um. I haven't mastered it to the point where it's not just just straight up distracting to me. Um, Fair but uh, but I uh, yeah, that's actually excellent. I thought that was totally a Swedish film that was mm-hmm. all in Swedish. Nope. So, so here's the thing with Bumblebee: is there are only two things that have me remotely optimistic about this film. Yeah, one of them is that Michael Bay is not directing it or even producing. I believe uh, number two Thank is goodness. that. The person directing it previously uh-huh. directed Kubo in the Two Strings, which was my favorite animated movie of the year that came out. Uh, that was 2016. You love your, yourself some Kubo. I love Kubo. The fact that it didn't get the Academy Award that year, lost to whatever Disney movie came out, uh, is garbage. I believe it lost to Coco, or was it Moana? I think it was Moana. Coco came out last But year. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm excited about this movie, too. This is a definite change of pace for the Transformers yes, movie. Yes, this could be the Thor Ragnarok of Transformers It could be. <laughs> it could be. And I'm still trying to decide, are they rebooting it with this movie, or are they are they rebooting the franchise I, of this I movie, so. or is it a prequel to the fran- to Transformers I mean, franchise? if you look at the designs. trailer, yeah. the designs look exactly like they did in, in the, the cartoons, cartoons. Yeah. which I'm really excited yeah. for. They look totally different. I love different. the cartoons. Yeah, I don't know how they would be able to explain. I don't know how they'd be able to explain that um, that the the Transformers look totally different on Earth and Transformers one through five than they do in the prequel Bumblebee, where they look like they came out of the cartoon. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's making me think, though, that it is a prequel, however, is in the first trailer that was actually pretty damn good. It had Bernie Mac doing. Uh, they played Bernie Mac's voice bits over from the yeah. just be an Easter egg. Yeah. It could be just an Easter egg. I mean, they could have just liked the, what he had to say there, but it does make me a little nervous that they're going to keep it like they're going to keep it in the same universe where I feel like this would have been an excellent point, excellent time right. to reboot the whole thing. Right. I mean, obviously, it could be one of those things that they wait and see how well it does. Yeah. And obviously Transformers is, I mean, Optimus Prime is going to be voiced by the same guy because he's just iconic Optimus Prime, but Oh, 
Optimus is in this movie? Yeah. He's in the trailer. I thought it was he's just Mumble Boy. No. <laughs> no, he's he <laughs> might not actually be in the movie. He's in a hologram saying, Bumblebee. That's save a, Earth. That's a really wow. good Peter Cullen. Thanks. Um, I mean that. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, guys. It All right, well, that's me. it for the podcast. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think with the amount of words I've mispronounced, I could maybe hit at least one line of that guy's voice, right? Um, Haley Steinfeld's in it, uh, by the way. True Grit, the Coen Brothers remake. Yep. Yes. And did you see Haley, Haley Seinfeld in The Edge of Seventeen? I have not. You told I me to not. watch that a long time ago. I never did. One of my favorite movies. I don't movies like of movies about teenagers. <laughs> you don't like it's a coming of age film. I know, you don't like coming I don't of age like films. It. Oh man, it's so good. Tim, did you see that? No, I haven't actually. Oh man, I want to. I think it's me. interesting. But... So good. So good. It's the same it's thing not... keeping me from watching eighth grade. I just it's uh, one of those that like yeah. I'd, I'd rent it, you know, from Redbox. I don't know if I'd go to the I need to see eighth see grade, but I haven't I haven't yet. I haven't had a chance to. I've actually seen a lot less movies since Movie Pass uh croaked. RIP. Well, I guess they're still alive by a thread. But yeah, I need to see that movie too. But I loved Haley Steinfeld in that and I think she's a great actress and an overall talented too. person. She actually has some pretty damn good hits. It's some some hits on the pop, she... pop radio stations nowadays. Oh yeah, she's a really great singer. Did she win a supporting actress for True Grip? Was she up for that? Did she? She was up for it. Did she win it? I just zoned out. Did you say that she's she makes music? She yeah. does. Yeah. What she, she, makes, she makes hits too, like hits. What? Mm-hmm. Like, if you've listened to a radio station that plays pop music in the past three years, you've heard her song. Here's the thing. I don't. Well, then you may not have heard it. Honestly, if you've even watched a movie, because a lot of her songs get used in movies as well. But, yes, she is a gifted singer as well. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. But but also on top of that, Bumblebee kind of looks like, from what I love most about it, is it looks like it's kind of taking a lot of inspiration from the Iron Giant and I love the Iron Giant. Who doesn't love that movie? And it looks like they're kind of taking that type of tone with it. Like Bumblebee is truly a protector and uh, learning to be on Earth. And that that is I mean, a lot of people have been comparing it to Iron Giant, and that makes me excited alone for this for this thing because of that. Um, Tim, I don't think she won. No, she just got nominated. She got nominated, but she was like. 12 when she got nominated for that yeah, if not younger it was impressive she's a she's a gifted actress so bumblebee uh we're kind of excited for that i am i'm more excited tanner is not so much i i i'll definitely be seeing it number two or sorry number four on this list is mary poppins returns i haven't seen mary poppins since i was a wee lad him when was the last time you saw mary poppins oh god uh a long time ago. Probably like almost 19 years. Yeah, it's been a while for me as well. It's a classic, but Tanner? I've never seen Mary Poppins. Really? Yeah. Uh, never saw those animated penguins? No, I mean, I've I've seen that. I've seen <laughs> clips of it, You've but seen I've never seen the whole movie start to finish. I, I can't tell you why. Um, I'm not... The kind of guy who, uh, all my Disney, all the classic Disney movies, I either saw as a kid 
or I'm never going to see it. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch the original That's how I feel Mario about the Austin Robbins. Powers movies. <laughs> Austin Powers and Disney. You know, exact those classic boat. children's movies. <laughs> Mary Gold Poppins member. and the Austin Powers. Well, you're watching Spire Lion King. I was watching Goldmember. Yeah, I, dude, I uh, never saw those movies. I wasn't allowed to see them when they came out. All my friends were, and I honestly am maybe still bitter about it, so I refuse to watch them to I this will day. go see Mary Poppins Returns, though. Maybe not in theaters, but I'll watch it eventually, just because uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she and looks... And I think I read <coughs> that there's supposed to be anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of traditional animation in this movie which is something disney doesn't do anymore i wish they would because i really liked the last straight up traditional animated movie they did the princess and the frog that was a really good animated disney movie anyways uh there's also a movie that came out recently not well not recently 2013 called saving mr banks it's a great movie about how disney acquired the property for mary poppins it's an excellent movie it is really really freaking good and uh, I can't say enough about that movie. It's got Tom Hanks in it, and it's got Emily um, or Emma Thompson, and that's a great movie. So that made me respect Mary Poppins so much more that I can't wait to watch this movie as well. I think it's it's gonna be good. Now I do think it's interesting that uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is gonna be playing the same character that Dick Van Dyke played uh, in the original Mary Poppins because this is a sequel. Um. Well, same thing with Emily Blunt then and uh, Julie Andrews, right? No, they're both British. They're both both British. Had this very backwards thinking of you. What? What? <laughs> no, I no no. I have no problem. No no. I have no problem with them. Like if it was a if it was a a. This is the I don't only have a problem with this. Be- the only. No, no. It's like I don't give a. I really could care less, honestly. I'm just. I just thought it was. I just thought it was funny that uh, that there's like it's a direct sequel to Mary Poppins and then and Dick Van Dyke's ultra ultra like stereotypical white dude character is now um, Puerto Rican. Yeah, <laughs> that's just. It just makes me laugh. Again, I don't care. I just think it's hilarious. It's like you're Puerto Rican now. <laughs> And I don't know. Think that <laughs> the kids. How are the kids gonna react? I just think that's funny. They're not gonna care. They're not gonna care because I don't care either. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. It's funny. All right. Number moving on. Cut that out. Moving on. What? We're not gonna cut that out. Who's gonna get? Off- no one's gonna get offended about that. Mary that's Queen funny. Of Scots. It's funny. This to me, like, would you? I would. It would. It would be like if. Uh, if in like Fast and the Furious, Hobbs, Dwayne Johnson's big ass character, just like the next, the next movie is played by John Cena, <laughs> it's, it's, they just sub him in and just pretend nothing happened. <laughs> Daddy's gotta go to work. <laughs> John, they just oh sub him was right in. Was that a John Cena voice or a Dwayne Johnson voice? That was just a big ass muscular both. dude voice. <laughs> okay. Nothing in particular. Uh, but I just that uh, again. I have no problem with that. I just thought that was funny. I just thought that was funny. It'd be, uh, anyways. Uh-huh. Moving on. Number five A on Rotten Tomatoes list. Mary Queen of Scots. Haven't seen many trailers for this thing, and uh, haven't heard really much of it. Make me kind of nervous. They're burying this under the rug, but it does have good ratings. So would far. it be odd for me to say this is probably the one I'm most excited about? I mean, I love. How do you pronounce her name? Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse. 
and Saoirse? Margot Robbie. And Margot it's a, it's Robbie. A good cast. And Saoirse, I think it's a, big, a good story, too. I've loved Saoirse in all of her movies since I saw her in Grand Budapest when she played the Baker's Girl. Mm. Uh, she was great in that, <clears throat> and she was great in Lady Bird, and she's been great in everything, too. She's kind of a... Uh, She's kind of like Timothy Chalamet, where she's just getting all these large roles for young, uh, young women. She's going to be in that Little Women reboot or like remake as well as a main character in that with a bunch of A-list actresses. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited for that, Tim. Why are you so excited? Uh, I mean, to to start off, the actresses. I mean, they're both great actresses. I love most of the movies they're in, um, and I, I just kind of like those historical films where. You go back in time and retell a story. Um, I think talking about kind of Queen Elizabeth one and then uh, Mary Stewart, that's going to be pretty interesting. So yeah, you, you haven't had any historical films in a while that I can think of. So Tanner, you know, uh, I've got, I've got no real, no real opinion of this. I don't think I'm going to see this one. You know, there's too many movies coming out anyways. It's going to be hard to see all of these Oscar Beatty, and not, not to say it's an Oscar Beatty movie, but a lot of these movies come out I haven't around. even seen a trailer for it. I haven't either, man. I, that's what I'm, like, I've saw, I saw one, I feel like, in April or May, and I haven't seen any promotion for this since. And my parents have cable, and I currently <sighs> live with them. And I have not seen any trailers for that, because I watch TV with them all the time. And and I don't I haven't seen any trailers for it either, and it comes out this month. So I don't know why it's not getting that promotion. You'd think a movie like this would get with uh, two A list actresses on it, but it, Rotten Tomatoes is giving a good review so far. So I bet they're probably waiting towards Oscar season, start building up the hype. Sure. And number five B, just to top it off, we're gonna do a quick little discussion on this Vice. I think Christian Bale looks great. It's another method actor performance. You can barely tell who he is uh, because he's gotten so large. And, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm excited to see this. I really didn't I, – I like Christian Bale movies. I don't really care about Dick Cheney's story very much at all. I'm kind of drowned out by politics anyways to begin with. But this seems to be taking a humorous yet informal take on politics. So – because that's what that's what a lot of his movies do. They're they're subtle humor. Adam McKay. Yeah, the, I mean his last one, which uh, the he big did, short. The big short. Yeah. A lot of subtle humor in there. It wasn't meant to be funny, but there's bits in there that are just funny. It's there's funny little elements in it, and I think he's going to be doing that with this as well. I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, not to drag this out or get too political here, but you know we're very much still living in the aftermath of the the Bush administration. Or the Cheney administration, depending on who you ask. I don't know if presenting all of this as a comedy is the most responsible way to tell this story. However, I'm not going to say you can't do that. Uh, I don't, oh, it I don't just think, seems odd. Well, I don't think they're going to—I don't know if they're presenting it as a comedy. I think they're, they're what they're doing. They're not going to hide Dick Cheney's demons in this thing. I mean, he's clearly sure. going to be on full display, and I think they're going to make some light of it, and I'm okay with that. I just, you know, everything, you know, sometimes the most digestible form of opinion and of art is in comedy, especially with the highly tense political climate we're in right now. So 
if you can get a message across by using some form of joy, then for me, I'm all for it right now. That's that's what I would say. Fair. And uh, I think Tim, do you have a quick opinion on it? Pretty excited to see it. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see it. I think Christian Bale's a fantastic actor. So you know what I call this season? I call this season future red box rental season <laughs> where there's no way in hell I'm going to see all the 95 movies that come out between the span of August and December that are really well-known movies with a lot of well-known actors, but you're damn sure that red box is going to get some work. I'm going to put some work in on that box. I'm going to be sliding that card in and out of there. Top three trilogies of all time. This is our that was big, what a segue. <laughs> big topic Big topic of the day, folks. We're going to list our top three favorite trilogies. There's so many m- trilogies out there, it's going to be hard to pick. But we're going to try it anyways. And I want to give you all the stipulations of this. This is just a, a... Yes, there are traditional trilogies where it's just three movies, series is done. However, that's not really the case in today's Hollywood. There's constant, 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 constant sequels coming out. And so what I'm saying is your favorite batch of three movies in a row will count as a trilogy. That will count as a trilogy. You can't say... So like say, the first three Harry Potters? Yes. Yes, like that. But you can't say Harry Potter 1, Harry Potter 4, and Harry Potter 7 Part two, Part 1 is my... No, it has to be three movies in a row, a traditional trilogy. That's not... Harry Potter, okay, your example, Harry Potter's one through three, that wouldn't be a traditional trilogy. I think a, a better one would right, be right, like no, Indiana no. I said, Jones. That, yeah, it, traditional trilogies. Okay, okay. Three movies in a row, and yeah, that's what I'll say is our, that's what I'll say is our stipulations here. Um, so we're going to go <clears throat> around the table here. Tanner, what is your third favorite trilogy of all time? It's going to be Edgar Wright's Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. Uh, oh, that's so a, good. I guess a loose trilogy. Uh, there are, I guess, common elements of it, namely the actors and the presence of the Cornetto. Mm-hmm. It's God, what the British call that. Sunday cones, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, so, Shaun of the Dead, World's End, and Hot Fuzz. That's a great. That's a great trilogy to lead off with. I actually completely blanked on that. I've seen those movies so many times. Um, I love them. I love those. That's great. Tim. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to top that. Um, I don't know. There's <laughs> kidding. There, there's so many. You say so, a trilogy, man. <laughs> just any trilogy? You're supposed to have three of them. Uh, You're to be prepared. The Hangover's number one for me. That's a great trilogy. Don't you, don't you disrespect. Actually, uh, Hangover 1 and 2 is good. 3 is garbage. I could say the Transformers. That Your third favorite favorite. trilogy. Um... <laughs> I mean, again, there's there's a lot of great trilogies out there. Uh, Do you not have time? a list? <laughs> I have a list of favorite. <clears throat> okay, I have a list of favorite trilogies. Do you want me to name all of them? I don't you have just, no. Just, like, just give one. your okay. <laughs> your third I, ranked one, Tim. Okay, sorry. I gave clear instructions at the beginning I, of this segment. <laughs> I am going to say. I'm going to say the original Star Wars. Okay, <laughs> that's. <laughs> Oh Ow. shit! <laughs> what the hell was that? Don't worry oh my about god! It. Tim, you just I almost fell out of my seat. You just slammed your leg. What was that? It sounded like a gunshot. It scared the hell out of me. 
I d- viewers, uh, uh, do, have you heard that? I, I apologize for the frights. That was loud. <laughs> what was what was that? Was that your chair? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. My third favorite trilogy of all time. I have to give it to Lord of the Rings. I have to give it to Lord of the Rings. It's a classic. Classic trilogy. I think this one's going to be number two or number one on someone's list in this in this panel. Bet your ass. <laughs> but uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings comes as number three for me. Somehow this this trilogy was able to capture the large large book perfectly in three movies, without cutting too much of the good stuff. And it's an all time classic. I mean, they're all each three hours long. You just you get they're they're sit down in a nice comfy couch and. Get yourself a beer, a coffee, your drink of choice, and just watch because they're cozy movies and they're they're long movies. So that's my third. So we got Tanner's number three is the Cornetto trilogy, directed by Edgar Wright, starring Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Tim has the original Star Wars trilogy coming in number three. Classic. Episodes four through six. Excellent. And myself, Lord of the Rings, the original trilogy. Absolutely. Tanner, coming in number two. Number two for you, buddy. What do you got? Two is where I put the original Star Wars trilogy. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. Great choice. I mean, that. again, I think that there's going to be some of these that are going to be have to fall in all of our top threes. So I agree. It's a great, great trilogy. It's excellent. And that's, that's how you can break that down because there's technically going to be three trilogies out of that Skywalker saga. So... Yeah, that's good. Tim? I would say my number two would be the Dark Knight trilogy. Dark Knight trilogy. God. Oh, that's Max's number one. No, it's not. Yes, I, it I, is. No, I blanked on him. I, I blanked on it. I don't think you can I would just actually, delete it. And... Ah, man, I want to boot Lord of the Rings down to four and put Dark Knight number three, actually. Put Dark Knight number two, Star you... Wars number three. I, I, I actually have Neanderthal. I have to. You can't, you can't copy You dumb, dirty ape. I can't. I can't. Uh, damn it! I for, I blanked on. I forgot the Dark Knight trilogy. That? See, that's why you know. needed a list. That's what we that's know. What I, I have. I have a list. <laughs> I have three. It's your signature <laughs> thing. It is. Okay. I edit my list. I edit my list. Number three is is the because number my number two I was about to say was the Star original Star Wars trilogy, but I'm dropping that down or wrong. So number three okay. is original Star Wars. Number two is the Dark Knight trilogy. So, so you're copying me. Yes. So far, yes. Although our number ones are going to be different. They are. They are going to be much different. But I think number one might come as a shock to our listeners. I think I know what it you is. You would know, maybe, because you've been my friend for years. But, yeah. Uh, Tanner? Your number, uh, oh, and now we're going to, what we're going to do too is with our number one trilogy, I want to give everyone their, their fair shake to talk about why their number one trilogy is their favorite. Tanner, your number one trilogy, I already know what it is. It's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, if you want to get super technical, I guess the extended version of all those films, maybe not required viewing, though I do think you should watch the extended Return of the King. It's five hours long, but it adds a lot of cool stuff in and kind of smooths out some, there's some awkward things going on in the final battle that uh, don't really flow together all that well in the theatrical cut. Once you've seen the extended, uh, it's weird to go back. 
but it tells you know it's it's an epic journey it's an epic story uh ensemble of characters that you grow to love and it blew my mind when i was a kid when i saw the fellowship come out i never seen anything on that scale before in just each movie topped the one before it and um it's a it's a spiritual experience watching those especially return of the king like the last 30 minutes of that movie and all 10 of the endings in it it's just constant uh tear jerking it's hard to get through dry eyed they're excellent they're excellent movies yeah i remember seeing i remember to this day going to see return of the king at midnight yep for the I do too. with my dad and my brother at midnight right so we're coming home at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah yeah i mean tim do you have any comments on lord of the rings no i love lord of the rings i i considered that for my top three um just one of those i haven't watched enough that i probably couldn't consider a top three but i mean it's definitely a great great trilogy um peter jackson did a fantastic job making those movies um i mean it, it's it's great yeah it's it's about as epic and scale as you can get in a movie and it was just fantastic from top to bottom from performances to to makeup to I, the special effects were almost entirely practical you just don't see that in a lot of stuff nowadays so right. I, I very much appreciated it um so tanner's number one lord of the rings trilogy tim what do you got for number one so i i put a lot of thought into this um my number one is actually Toy Story. Toy huh. Story. Okay. What a what a twist. What a twist. I, I think the reason why I like Toy Story so much is it it, it goes well with all age groups. Um, I mean, I grew up watching Toy Story. I loved that movie. You know, had you know a bunch of action figures. I had a Buzz Lightyear. I had a, a Woody doll. Um, I mean, there's a lot of cool things. I still remember playing Toy Story 2 on the Nintendo 64 growing up. I mean, it was a great game. And it, it kind of, I mean, it, it as a young you know person, it kind of shapes your life. So um, the, the biggest takeaways, I mean, as a kid, you know, you, you enjoy it because of all the toys coming to life. It, it really inspires your imagination. But as you grow up, it, it kind of reflects back on your childhood and you know what you kind of have to sacrifice sacrifice growing up and just kind of revisiting you know your your childhood just kind of the whole you know it was pixar originally but since disney took over one of those things that you know your childhood never has to die um you don't need to complete completely throw it out and so i'm excited for the the fourth toy story because it kind of brings that back you know you, you don't have to give up your childhood you can you know continue growing up and you know still being a kid at heart um I, I just really like the what it what it brought to the table. So that's an excellent. That's a great. It's a great point, Tim. That's a really. Uh, I I enjoy that you listed that number one. I think that's a definitely a out out of the box take. I feel like a lot of people would think dramatic movies would be in the top three because there's been so many great trilogies of that. But my trilogy is what I believe to be the most underappreciated trilogy of movies of all time of all time the bridget jones <laughs> bridget movies. jones diaries yes no and those movies are pirates of the caribbean 
one through three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the fourth one? That being, that being Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. The most underappreciated trilogy of movies of all time. And I'm going to tell you why. From the very first viewing of Pirates of the Caribbean, you can tell that it's going to be a story set in some real, in a, in a lot of, in a majority of realism with fantastical fantasy elements. The pirate genre, in my opinion, is one of the most underutilized genres to begin with. There's so much lore that could go, that you can pull from pirate mythos that Pirates of the Caribbean did. They did just that, and they crushed it they every single time who doesn't love a good fisherman story who hasn't looked like always been so curious about a kraken or what lurks beneath the waters and all these fantastical beasts that are out in the ocean that you would hear all these old stories of pirates of garyan takes all of that takes a real story and blends it together in a epic epic telling of a story unlike anything we've gotten before in cinema why it's so underappreciated to me as well is it's uh, entirely original. It's based off a ride. This was this the lore, the world, the characters, everything was built from the ground up in the writers' room, and they made it as massively scaled as they possibly could. And I've I appreciated every minute of those movies for it. A lot of people felt two and three got a little too long, maybe a little too fantastical for them. And I, I just can't, I can't disagree more. You're getting Captain Jack Sparrow, who is a witty, dumb, drunk, but overall cool character, who is almost a side character in this movie. He's, he's a lot of people think he's the main character, but he's, he's really best as a side character in these movies because the main characters are Kira Knightley and, um. Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom as Will and Elizabeth. Uh, they have a amazing love story in this movie as well. A severely under again uh, underappreciated love story in in cinema. This is a they span across this ocean. The love between them is the single singular line that ties all three of these movies together, and it does it in such an epic, dramatic way by the end of the third movie that it's just it just blows your mind. I mean, we've gone through all these things with these characters, these characters, you know, falling in love with each other in the first movie, really becoming who they were in the second movie getting married but getting separated and having to find each other across this ocean and in the third movie coming back together you know realizing their love for each other but at the very end will having to leave her standing on a beach forever it's it's dramatic and it's incredible and the chemistry between Orlando and Kira is 100% very authentic to me and it carried the entire franchise and it allowed Captain Jack to be the character he was because he could kind of be, Johnny Depp could kind of do whatever he wanted with that character, but Will and Elizabeth were definitely the base to to the whole story, so Captain Jack could be this great character that we all know him, this iconic character. I mean, he got nominated for an Oscar for that role. Oh, yeah. A lot of people he did a fantastic yeah. job. Nominated for a freaking Oscar. 
if you look at the the, the mythological standpoints, Davy Jones, the CGI on those characters, and and Dead Man's Chest came out ten years ago, stands up to this day as some of the best CGI you can see in a movie. That's it's unbelievably well done. Uh, the undead ship, the the ghost ship, and uh, Black Pearl and Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse of the Black Pearl and the Kraken, this giant, horrifying beast that rips out of the ocean and destroys ships, and eventually brings the end to Captain Jack there and in, in uh, Dead Man's Chest, and it all coming down to the last one at World's End, where all this pirate mythos and drama and whatnot goes up against the real world that's trying to draw them out and it's just a fantastic series it's i watch it all the time i can't get enough of it i literally just never gets old for me to see it um and i could go on for hours about this and someday i want to do just a whole podcast of talking about why i think pirates of the caribbean (laughs) is such a great trilogy because i it it deserves it deserves to be more appreciated because i feel like because of Pirates 4 and Pirates 5, it's definitely gotten watered down. Those movies are not as good as the first three. But a lot of people saw 2 and 3 in theaters once. That's all they've seen. And I cannot encourage you more to go see these movies again. Rent them. Just give it another shot. You'll love it. That's my number one. And I'm sorry that took forever. I just had to get that off my chest. Which uh, of the three are your, is your favorite? Oh, man. so uh, Probably Pirates of the Caribbean 1. Yeah. It's my favorite yeah. movie of all time. My favorite movie of all time. Whoa. Yeah. I, I, I remember, love what I love so much about that movie is I remember as a kid, the trailers would come on TV and I was terrified of them because the skeleton scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and I would like close right. my eyes and whatnot. And my dad and my sister, who had, uh, my sister had seen this movie, says, hey, you guys need to see this. Well, you know, months later, she rented it, brought it over. I knew what the movie was. I was like, oh, this is a skeleton movie. I was freaking out. My dad's like, hey, you'll, you'll probably like it. It's supposed to be fun. Watched it. From the moment I saw it, from Captain Jack stepping off a sinking ship onto the dock, I was like, this is going to be so much more different than what I was expecting, and it was, and it became my favorite movie of all time. It made me love movies. It, it's the movie that made me love movies like I do today, to be honest. I also want to add, the score for Pirates of the Caribbean is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most iconic scores of all time. I mean, everyone knows that. It's played everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's played everywhere. It's played at football games and basketball games and field hockey everywhere. It's great. It's an iconic score, iconic characters, unbelievable world building, unbelievable lore. It just feels like a massive universe, and it it just brings you in. It just it brings you completely in. I love that scene, and I don't know if you guys remember the third where they go to the Pirate City where they go to Shipwreck Cove, yeah. and it's a hidden it's hidden inside an island, and it's just a bunch of shipwrecked ships stacked on top of each other to make this these towering <laughs> pillars into the sky. Uh, and it's like, it just as a person who has a huge imagination, you just imagine what's going on in all these places. Or there's like so many different levels. There's there's pubs over here, and and there's like a dock over here and an armory or you just you go wild with your imagination and that's the type of stuff that I love they were so creative in this whole franchise and it, it I just can't get enough of it guys so that that's why it comes in at number 1 and I would be remiss to, to go this podcast without saying as an honorable mention Ocean's trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies of all time as well 
Interesting. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I, oh, Matrix. Matrix. Back Jordan to the loves Matrix. Back, back <laughs> to the Future. The Matrix. Uh, that's good. Indiana yeah. Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Tanner. Yeah. Indiana Jones was almost my number three, but uh, yeah, it's it's classic. It's hard to qualify it as a trilogy since there's a fourth movie, and there's nothing about the third one that's conclusive. Like say with Pirates of the Caribbean, the third one wraps up all of the the issues, and it could have ended right there. But then yeah. the fourth one is just they pulled it out of their butts. Indiana Jones doesn't really have that. It it can just go on forever. So I don't really qualify it as a trilogy. Also, hot take, I would rather watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull over Temple of Doom any day of the week. Um, I think that I actually uh, have never seen Temple of Doom in my life. It's the the least... It's the first it's one the and the least pleasurable to yeah. watch. My, one of my favorite movies. It's not the is, first one. Yeah, it is. No. What one is? The last, uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost, of the Lost Ark. Ark. Oh, the last one's The Last Crusade. Technically, Temple of Doom takes place before Raiders of the Lost oh, Ark. Oh, that's why it gets confusing. But that's like a missable detail. Yeah. doesn't I, really do anything. I love The Last Crusade. That's a, that's a great movie as well. Uh, do, you, do you hear they're making a fifth? Yeah. Indiana apparently. Jones? My honorable mention is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, I'm sorry. That. Do you mean the Holy Trinity? Sure. That's the one. The Holy Trinity. Um, I think it's a great series. Great uh, beginning, middle, and end for the Peter Parker character. I know the third yep. one definitely has problems. Uh, <laughs> Goofy as hell. You can enjoy it more ironically than genuinely. But look, emo dancing Peter Parker was not the issue with <laughs> you, that you movie. You watched the video of him dancing with no sound at all no oh it's oh hilarious. yeah they just do the sound the normal human sound effects and clapping and and like it just hear you hear his feet scuffle on the on the sidewalk <laughs> yeah because there'd, there'd be no music played in new york as he's well, dancing to himself it's and, so funny and so sam raimi has such a goofy sense of humor um and so the third spider-man i think is the most raimi of all of them and that's off-putting about it i think because there wasn't that level of just goofiness in the first two. And that movie would have been served so much better, too, if they would have just not included Venom. Sam Raimi didn't want Venom in that movie. Do you know that? Yeah, I know. That was a Sony um, they forced decision. Him they're like, we want him in. And he's like, I don't want Venom right now. And they're like, no, you're going to put him in there. And he's like, well, who do you got? And they said, Topher Grace. And he said, I mean, fuck. The mo- it's, <laughs> it's such a scatterbrained movie, having the Sandman and Venom and um, Harry Osborn's Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's None of them really have anything to do with each other. They all team up at the end or whatever. But it, it's a very loose plot, but I, I still enjoy it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good honorable mention. Yeah. Any honorable mentions for you, Tim? Uh I mean another one I that we haven't mentioned that I would like to add would be Iron Man. I think all three of those movies could stand alone. I really like the first and the third one. Second one, not a huge fan of, but the third one's same. grown on me. The third I, one grow I did not like the third one at first, but the third one has grown on me. Yeah. And I don't like the second one nearly as much as I did when I saw it the first time. So yeah, I'm I with li- you. I like the the third one because it it kind of goes more into the psyche of 
you know, being a superhero. So it's not all just happy, you know, funny, let's save the world. Um, it kind of dives more into, you know, dives. Let's dive in. Uh, like, you know, what's going on with Tony Stark mentally? Because, I mean, deep down, he's just a human, you know, and dealing with all these alien creatures and whatnot. Yep. So I, I enjoyed it. So I, I, you could take that out of the entire Marvel universe and it'd be a good set of movies to watch. Yeah, I would agree. I'd agree. Um, any any other final words, guys? Before we wrap this thing up, I um, don't know if real quickly, yeah, I might go through. I had a what, what could have been great trilogies, sure. Um, which were there weren't three films, but there should have been. Yeah. So the Raid series, uh, the Raid Redemption and the Raid Two. Never seen it, but uh, yeah, I've heard it's great. Hyperviolent Indonesian martial arts films. Uh, Blues Brothers, the first movie is so good. One. Blues Brothers 2000 is bad, and I feel like because it's bad, they should have done a third one to to redeem it a little bit. And then it also hurts that uh, John Belushi died. That's true. That's a major <laughs> wrench in there, which I forgot about when I put it on this list. <laughs> it it would have been hard to make a trilogy with the uh, yeah. So one of the you main know what? They shouldn't have made a second one. Uh, anyways, last Guess one. Jim Belushi. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, with continuing with Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, and uh, David Fincher as the director. That movie should have got both its sequels. There was that new one that came out, but it's an entirely different cast. Yeah. And by all accounts, it's not good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. I'm I'm glad you put that list together. That's that's interesting. I, too, have... An almost trilogy list. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so one that I, I would like to add would be Blade Runner. I loved the twenty forty nine. Uh, the original Blade Runner was really good. Um, twenty forty nine was the best film of twenty seventeen. I'll fight anyone who says I, otherwise. I had that number two behind Baby Driver. However, <laughs> I have somewhat changed my mind. But um, I love twenty forty nine. If they, I really, really hope they make a third one. Um, I just love the, you know, graphics and the whole world kind of, you know, what if mentality. Yeah. Um, Kingsman, that's another one. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I really hope they make a third. Yeah. The first two were fantastic. I would imagine they will, but yeah. And Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the finale. Finale. The capping, and, and just because you guys brought that up, a couple of them that I would like to uh, a movie trilogy that almost happened that hasn't yet, but I would like to see comedy, uh, Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Oh hell yeah! I really yeah. enjoy the Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan have like uh, a Shanghai Morning, but M O U R and one of them's dead. Shanghai so the Dawn. third film's just Ooh. like one grieving for the other one the entire <laughs> that would time. Be incredibly depressing. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Or, or Shang- yeah, uh, so that's one. Um, and another honorable mention in terms of trilogies, probably up there in my most top 10 watched movies of all time because I watched them endlessly as a kid and into junior high, Rush Hour 1 and 2. There was a third one. There was a third one, yeah. So that's what I'm it's, – it's, it was close to being in one of my favorite trilogies. It just uh, okay. Rush Hour 3 wasn't very good I got gotcha. you. Uh, Rush Hour 1 and 2, though, are all-time comedy classics, and it's blooper reels alone. Get more laughs out of me than anything ever. So, One more that I am really excited about is Glass. Yeah. The whole Unbreakable split I still need glass. to see all those. I, oh. 
I haven't seen Unbreakable yet. Um, Split is a very, very good movie. Yep. Well, good thriller. I'll have to check that out then. Guys, I think that rounds out our biggest discussion of the day, which was our favorite trilogies. I had fun just discussing those to see what your favorite trilogies were and whatnot. We could definitely even do a longer podcast on that. But I uh, had fun discussing that. I think that's going to cap it off for our Cinemaxic episode today, episode four. We've discussed a lot. We've discussed Wes Anderson. We've discussed Mary Poppins. We've discussed uh, favorite trilogies and our uh, December 2018 most 19. anticipated. No, 18. 18. Did I say 19? 2018. No, the Rotten Never mind. It was my list. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do it today, guys. So again, be uh, be sure to like and subscribe to us here on Apple Podcasts uh, on all of your favorite podcast apps. Um, and I do want to make a quick announcement here at the end of this. And if uh, and that's going to be our, our fourth podcast. Our fourth out of all three of these, out of all uh, fourth, out of all four of these, and I hear Jordan stop typing. <laughs> He's like, "What? What's he?" No, um, the fourth podcast is going to be called Poocast. Yeah, drum roll, anyone? Drum roll, please. There you go. Thank you. There's a great drum roll. It's going to be called Cinemastic Review, and what Cinemastic Review is, it's going to be one-off, super short review podcasts. And this is why, because we see a lot of movies. We see plenty of films. We can't cover them all in a Cinemaxic podcast because we want to cover news, we want to have discussions, and we're definitely going to do reviews on this thing. So here's how we explain this. Cinemaxic review going to be at the very most 10 to 15 minutes, at the very most, singular reviews for movie titles that we aren't going to cover in Cinemaxic. And those are going to be posted randomly. Those those will come here and there, and you'll see them. If you subscribe to us, you'll see us post about them. However, the large movies, the big-time movies of the year, like your Aquaman and Shazam in 2019 and uh, Lego Movie 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, those type of movies, we're going to get the big reviews on the Cinemaxic podcast. So Cinemaxic review for short-form, quick reviews on movies we won't cover. And again, stick right to Cinemaxic pod for... All of our large reviews we'll do on the bigger movies of the year. Um, so be sure to subscribe and keep an eye out for those because we'll be doing those before too long, uh, getting those put out there uh, for various different movies we see because it's uh, it's Oscar movie season and there's a lot a lot to cover. So we'll be, uh, be putting out a pretty good hefty amount of reviews here and there um, throughout the month and uh, coming months. Um, so that's going to do it uh, for Tanner Rush over there in the left. And for Tim Reichmuth, I am... Go ahead. What? What? Huh? what? I <laughs> am Max Leadham at Max Fozzie, your host, your host of the Cinemastic Podcast universe. Thank you all again for listening. Take care, and we'll see you next time on Cinemastic and coming soon Episode 2 of Force Vision. Goodbye and good night. Bye. Or good morning.